Welcome to Stateside F1. I'm Joe Leonardo. Vroom, vroom. That man making the car noises is Andrew Berger. Hello, everyone. What a crazy race. We're talking Silverstone. I don't even know where to begin. This race, as of now, has been probably the hottest race of the season. I am still speechless about what happened on Sunday. We we are recording on Tuesday night. This will come out Wednesday. So if you're listening to on Wednesday, I'm still a little shocked and blown away. My I've had so many highs, so many lows. It was an amazing race to watch and experience. And I wish I could go back in time and experience that race for the first time again. Same. Honestly, to me, this was not necessarily a part two, but this race was as exciting for me as the 2021 closer. Mm. This whole race was basically the 2021 closer, but in 50 or so laps. Yes. Before we even get into it, let's start with qualifying. I'll start off with Latifi making it to the Q3. Latifi's been on the chopping block. I've been hearing other F1 podcasts and analysts say... This page that I just found, he's a YouTuber. He's so funny. Rocket-powered mohawk. He's like an, a Formula One comedian. Shout out to Rocket-powered mohawk. You're hilarious. Also, love your MG. He was just all up land stroll and Latifi's butt. He was just going after the Canadians. Yeah. He said they should both be on the chopping block. And honestly, to a degree, I, I'm with him on it. I mean, I, I guarantee you when Latifi made it to Q3, Oscar Piastri from Formula 2 put his head in his hands like, what the hell's going on now? I thought I was a shoe in Latifi must have, you know, he must have, uh, like you were just telling me earlier, Joe, putting like the penny in the shoe for, uh, for an audition to make you a little uncomfortable that gives you the energy. Fun little uh, uh, audition fact, if there's any wannabe actors out there, if you're doing an audition put a penny in your shoe before you go in to make yourself a little bit uncomfortable because that energy will propel you through the audition and you'll do better than if you're just in your head about it. And honestly, maybe he had a... He had a, he had a half dollar in his shoe. Well, TV, no, he probably had like a thousand dollar coin or something yeah. knowing him. He had some coin with his like one of his grandparents' face on it or something. I don't know. Or that would be Stroll, I guess. Yeah, probably Stroll. Latifi's not uh, not... As high as Stroll is in society. Very true. But not that I know. What would I know? Anyways. Joe Guan Yu making it to Q3 again two weeks ago, I believe was his first time. Yes. This week at Silverstone was his second. Maybe he wanted to be farther back in the grid (laughs) from what happened in the race. We'll get to it. But props to him. I feel like he's finally getting his legs and I feel like he's starting to be a force. And hopefully... We start seeing some better things from him in the future. I'm curious if um, if they'll start comparing Joe Guan Yu to Mick Schumacher. Alfa Romeo used to be the Sauber team, but Alfa Romeo and Haas are more or less part of Ferrari because they're both Ferrari-powered. Mm-hmm. So there's that relationship, and everyone's going up about Mick Schumacher uh, you know, not, not making the cut. But there was actually a lot proven by Mick Schumacher in this race. Yes, which we'll get to when we start talking about the race. But do you think that Joe's performance isn't going to get better? Or do you think this is the best we're going to see out of him? 
I think next race he might be a little bit more timid after this race, but I fair. I think he's he's finding his legs, and I I think he's uh, settling in and gonna start going for it. Our Ferrari boy Carlos signs his first pole ever in qualifying. Good to see. Maybe it gave him confidence to not listen to Ferrari during the race. <laughs> that's my assumption because that's what kind of got him first place in the race. Spoiler: first place, Carlos signs. The Ferrari strategy, the whole strategist team is just garbage, or as my friend would say, basura. It's it's embarrassing. The most storied Formula One team, racing team probably in the world, just can't get it together. And they have two of the most talented drivers on the grid, and they're just like, you know, switch places, whatever. Keep 10 cars behind. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll win. We'll see. And Carlos is literally on the radio being like, stop inventing. I'm not listening, basically. Yeah. Carlos just stuck to his guns and he won. That's, that's what racing should be. I mean, the strategist, you know, there's all these other parts to Formula One, which is very interesting. It's all more or less a numbers game, mm-hmm. you know, to the, to the team in the back. And the, essentially the drivers are just the puppets driving the cars in circles. But back in the day, when you couldn't get all this telemetry. There was no tire readings back. I mean, that's, that's a new thing. That came with Pirelli. Yeah, it was just the driver just kind of felt it and went what is currently NASCAR style. It was just the car and the driver. That's actually a criticism I hear now from a lot of older fans is that it's more of a numbers game. It's almost like when baseball changed over to like the money ball strategy. Right. So Formula One has become more statistic driven because you have so much telemetry from tires, the engine, the body. There's people watching every car that give feedback to the, the pit wall. And it really wasn't like that before. It was like, hey, we built you something. Pilot gets in and then off they go and they kind of make all the decisions. They communicated with the pilot through the radio but it really wasn't as strategic as it is now. I mean, if you if you watch the movie Rush, it even shows Nicky Loud in the Ferrari just takes the car for a lap and then runs back to the mechanic and explains how much of an awful car the, the car is. They still complain about the car, <laughs> for better or for worse. That hasn't changed. But instead of uh, having this telemetry and all this knowledge that your team gives you, you just drive the car around the track a couple times and you're like, this is what needs to be fixed. I don't think a driver could do that besides Sebastian Vettel today. Yeah. And Max Verstappen. Max actually. Max is one with the uh, Red Bull. I think he his head, his body just melts into the car and then his head is just above. Oh, like the movie Cars? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's basically Lightning McQueen. <laughs> But more Dutch and angrier. I saw a quote from Max recently. He said if it wasn't for racing, his father told him uh, he'd become a truck driver. That's horrible. Now, I'm I'm not a parent, but I, I'm not sure I'd really call that encouragement for your child. And it also is a knock to truck drivers. Yeah. Which is an honorable profession in itself. That's basically... It's an honest job. Yeah. That's how our goods get around. So his father not only... Crapped on Max, but also crapped on truck drivers. A whole industry, effectively. Yeah. Let's talk Haas. Let's talk Aston Martin for qualifying. So 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th, the last four spots. Magnussen, 17th. Vettel, 18th. Mickey Boy, Mick Schumacher, 19th. Sir Lancelot Stroll, 20th. I don't know what's going on with those two teams. 
to quote the Haas principle, a Gunther Steiner, they all look like a bunch of wankers. They all look like a bunch of wankers. What's happening over there? I think it's the mindset. I think Vettel's just happy to be racing. Like he does, he's checked out. He's just still racing because it's fun and he's using it as a platform to promote green technology and global warming. Which is good. Yeah, I mean, I think if Hamilton was in a a worse car, he'd be in the same boat. And Kevin Magnuson is just happy to be there. One thing that was kind of funny for me was when Max gave his interview at the end, the Silverstone crowd booed him. I saw that. I, As much as I am a Lewis fan... You still got to give Max some uh, some love, honestly. He, I 100% agree with you. I feel like Max isn't affected by crowds. I feel like Max is one of those people that's fully propelled by like an internal ambition and drive. You know what I mean? That alone gets my respect. He reminds me a lot of Nicky Lauda. He just, he's there to do the job and then go home. He, it's not about the glamour. It's not about you know, his politics or his worldviews. He's there to do his job and he's consistent. Yeah. And then go home and hang out with his girlfriend or something. He was quoted as saying, hey, people might think I'm hard and I'm tough and stuff like that, but really I'm only here to race. Also, his relationship with his father, I'm sure that has molded his personality to not be the brightest and most warming person. Right. You know, going back, I think... Verstappen could have really come out a lot worse than he did. It sounds, you know what? It might be that Verstappen has been in a lot of therapy. Maybe that's how he's able to kind of. Oh, I think the opposite. I think he's the type of person that won't go to therapy. Hmm. I get the vibe off Verstappen. He's like, therapy's for weak people, and I'm not going. I texted you this earlier, and I'm going to say it because I was so proud of my opinion. Oh, God. So I'm going to say it here on the podcast where I feel like Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen were raised in completely polar opposite ways, and they grew up to have the same goal in mind. So we're seeing two completely different people approach a similar goal in completely different ways. Yes. I mean, it, it really is where you, uh, what your angle is as well. I think. That's why I never honestly thought Dan Ricardo would ever be a world champion. He's too... Like, you don't see enough of the focus, the hard Daniel Ricardo. You see the smiley, True. happy Dan Ricardo. Where he's, I mean, but again, we're only seeing what like the media portrays of him. So that yeah, that's the thing, and you know the little like the fifteen minutes of Drive to Survive as well. So I mean, these yeah. all these opinions are really skewed based on based on image branding, based on a bunch of handlers crafting an uh, an appearance. So. What we're saying is we could both be incredibly wrong and Daniel Ricciardo could just... And Max can be the warmest, fuzziest person in the world, but his image portrayed is one of a frozen Dutchman. Exactly. And he's still our listener from the Netherlands, our mystery (laughs) listener. We're speaking directly to Max. Again, we have one listener in the Netherlands. If you want, please reach out to us. We want to have you on the show to hear your opinion. Anyways... On to the race. Oh, man. The race. Where to start, Joe? I mean, I think we start with the crash. That's the biggest thing. I have many opinions on this. Joe Guan Yu um, was hit by George Russell in the back, and that's what caused him to flip over, and he spun on the halo into the gravel, 
flipped over the the wall, the barrier, the tire barrier, and then into the fence that separates the audience from the track. And it was a violent crash, I'm sure. Anybody who's listening to this podcast has already seen it multiple times from multiple different angles. First thing I want to say is, holy smokes, the Halo system. There's no better advertisement that this is required for Formula One than this crash. If it wasn't for the Halo system, he would have been decapitated. We would have seen a man without a head. Yeah. It would have been a smear of blood from the track all the way to the audience. So remember, the Halo system was introduced 2018, right? 20... I think 2016, they they like, they like they trialed it. Yeah. And then 2018, it was mandatory. This is a sliver of time in the history of Formula One. And then for this to happen, my Lord, this it saved this man's life. I mean, I'm looking at pictures right now. I mean, it was on the local news in the United States of America. And Americans do not care about Formula One currently. <laughs> There's like a handful of us. There's pictures that came out showing uh, the tarmac, showing the asphalt. Yeah, they need to resurface the track now. That crash was just so... Oh, I was actually watching the race, re-watching it on my iPad, and the race went so long that it didn't even record the entire thing. That's unfortunate. You uh, DVR it? Uh, well, I watched it live, but I, I DVR it to rewatch it. I always set my DVR to end 120 minutes after the scheduled time, just in case of incidents. That is clever. Fun fact, everybody out there, set your DVRs to end 120 minutes to extend. I have Fios, and that's an option. I don't know if that's an option for everybody. It Well, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> <laughs> I just rewatched the crash again, and I, I was actually talking to my, my brothers. They were at Watkins Glen a couple weeks ago watching a race. It was GT3 racing, and I saw from pictures they took, there wasn't this fence on some of the turns. And I'm like, wow, like your view must have been so great. It wasn't obstructed. And they're like, yeah, it was great. And I said to them, I remember, I said, I wish Formula One didn't have that on every turn or all over the track so then we could see the cars without having to look through little grates or little holes. And a couple of days after, Joe Guan Yu has his crash. And if that cage wasn't there, it probably would have severely injured about 40 people. It would have been the Mercedes incident all over again. Yeah, what, from like 1954? Yeah, well, the reason why Mercedes is no longer, like, yeah. was they stopped being part of Formula One is because a car entered the stands and killed a bunch of people. It was, yeah, and actually, I think that driver was decapitated too. But regarding the crash itself, uh, one thing that made me laugh is Albon <laughs> actually went to the hospital. I think Joe Guan Yu actually didn't go to the hospital. I think he was at the track the whole time, or he briefly went to the hospital and then came back. I'm not 100% sure on that. Maybe I should have looked that up before uh, starting the podcast. But I know for a fact, Albon actually went to the hospital and everyone's tweeting out like, we love you, Joe. We, you know, we hope you're better. And meanwhile, <laughs> Albon has a picture of him in a hospital bed with an IV in his arm, giving a thumbs up being like, hopefully everything's okay, Joe Guan Yu. We're with you. We love you. If you see his crash, he went straight into the wall. He had like four different incidences. He went into the wall. Then he hit Russell. I think he also hit Russell. I'm not sure. I, I'm rewatching the, the crash again. 
Yeah, he's on the bottom right. It must be. It's hard to watch because like so, there's six cars DNF'd. I think from my memory, since you're watching it, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Yeah. George cut in. He tried to close the door on Batas, right? Yeah. He tried to push Gasly, but Joe Guan Yu kind of got caught in the center of it. He tried to close the door on Batas. I could be wrong on the Batas thing, but I think he tried to close the door on him and he got hit, which caused him to oversteer a little bit. And then Joe Guan Yu's back tire hit his front tire, causing yeah. him to flip over. And then yeah. full racing speed started spinning 360s on the halo system into the wall. Yeah. I mean, there are also like a bunch of minor incidents, like, you know, people losing front wings going into the back at like fender benders in Formula One, you could you could say. Well, let's also discuss from this accident, George Russell lost his rear tire. But since it was red flags, he could have driven back into the pits and gotten his car repaired. But the gentleman that George Russell is, he jumped out of his car and ran to Joe Guan Yu, uh, his car in the scene of the accident to go check if he was okay. You could see there's a camera shot of of Russell just jumping out of the car and an official trying to like chase him down to make sure that Russell was okay. Yeah, and then he was standing on the tires, like calling them over, like... Yeah. It was gnarly, man. The way Guan Yu was crumpled up in that little corner, that was just very claustrophobic. Yeah. George is such a, he, he seems like such a sweet boy. George seems like the type of guy that would like break up with you and then you'd apologize to him. <laughs> he, would, he would still send you chocolates and flowers. He'd break up with you and still be like best friends with your parents. I've heard stories like that. That would not be healthy for the person he would break up with. I've heard, I've heard people say, "Oh, I'm still best friends with my uh, my ex boyfriend's parents." I've heard stories where people have gone on vacations with their ex's parents. Oh man, that no, thank you. Yeah, I think it's when you get in your 30s and 40s, age doesn't matter anymore. So like, you can be friends with someone in their 50s and 60s, and you know, yeah, young 70s. I don't know. But after young 70s, you can't be friends with like a 77-year-old? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, because we're going to talk about like, I love hard candy. Yes, I, I love applesauce. <laughs> it's, it's good in my soft teeth. <laughs> All right, let's do a little light thing, then we'll get back into the race. Tom Cruise is mad short. <laughs> yeah. There's so he, much Tom Cruise shots, and then there was one of him next to uh, Total Wolf, and Total Wolf is probably very large. I wonder how tall he is. He he's about six two. I I saw him when I was at the Miami Grand Prix. I was standing next to him. He's yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. Well, Tom looked so tiny next to him. And then at the end of the race, we saw Tom Cruise next to Lewis Hamilton. And then I'm like, oh man, Lewis Hamilton is so short. That's the one thing I love about Formula One is there's a bunch of short kings. Yeah. Being part of the short king gang myself because I'm five. Seven or five eight. I don't know. It depends on the day. I think it depends on the humidity of the day. Yeah, honestly. I either shrink or grow. I'm like one of those little dinosaur sponges you pour water on and they just grow. But I, I consider myself part of uh, Short King Nation. Fair. Yeah. Lando Norris, I think he's even smaller than Lewis Hamilton. He's about five six, five five. It's the one thing I hold against George Russell. He's like six something. Yeah, he's like 6'3". He's huge. Yeah. No, thank you. Remove your crown, sir. (laughs) 
But when he raced in 2020, when Hamilton had COVID, he sat in for Hamilton. He had to wear racing boots, like two sizes too small to fit into Hamilton's car. It was crazy. He was like, I'm sure his knees were touching like the front, like the top of the car. It was, it was crazy. And, and if also you, like, look at the cockpits, the, there's, it's so tight on the hands. There's actually a carve out for the hands to turn the, yeah, the, the wheels or the wheel. So I can't imagine some, sitting in someone else's Formula One car because the whole cockpit area is molded for them. That's why I'm curious when someone buys an old Formula One car, do they get seats made for them? Do they get them readjusted? I think they do. There's cockpit specifications, but then the seat itself is the real custom yes. part that gets molded to the individual. Yes. But you can adjust the size. Of the, I think you can adjust the size of the cockpit but only so much. Right. That makes sense. Well, there's Sebastian Vettel actually drove Nigel Mansell's car at Silverstone before the race. Mm. He was a Nigel Mansell, former Formula One champion. He was a big influence on Sebastian Vettel's career. So, I know when a lot of Formula Two drivers drive in Formula One cars, the seat, the custom seat is a little different. Yes. So they can still fit it in, but it takes a little finagling. Kinky. Anyways, Ferrari fighting each other for so long. I, I think Leclerc is very much the number one driver. So their thinking is to get the most points and to win the championship. The drivers and constructors, they need Leclerc to win races. Especially because since Verstappen was back, he finished in seventh place because he had a piece of the Alpha Tauri car under his floor. So that's where their heads are. So to them, Signs is just like a donkey to them who just blocks cars for Leclerc to... But I even... There there was reports that Leclerc fired the... Or is changing up the strategy team. Thank God. I know. The thing... Ferrari, I think, is a very emotional team. Whereas at least Red Bull and Mercedes... I mean, you know, they're very cemented. There really hasn't been much of a personnel change in a while there. Whereas you hear Ferrari, you know, they're kind of changing up their teams every five, six years. And Red Bull, you know, doesn't seem to be a very emotional team at all. I mean, you know, you see the drivers coming out of that squad. They're very just, I'm here to race. Don't talk to me. And I'm going to tell you the honest truth, even if like it makes you like cry and fall into a deep depression. I feel like that comes from Christian Horner. Not Dr. Helmut Marco. That guy does not seem like a person I'd want to be friends with. But Horner has more direct involvement with the team. Yeah. And I, 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 I he's, Horner's been with Red Bull since the beginning of Red Bull racing, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, he was there when Sebastian Vettel won his four titles. So I think, A, he has a huge knowledge and relationship with Red Bull. And I think he has huge amounts of sway. He's not listening to a bunch of consultants or whatever it is above him telling, hey, we should do this, we should do that, we should focus on brand and all that stuff, which I think Ferrari has that issue. I think Ferrari, as a brand, likes to control their drivers and control the environment. Yeah. Because they sell all these kinds of shirts. And like Ferrari, as a brand, is the most known brand in Formula One. I think maybe second will be Mercedes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would say Red Bull's number three if as a Formula One fan. 
I think Red Bull's known for sports and extreme sports. But when I think of Red Bull, I just think of extreme sports. I don't think specifically of Formula One. I think right, yeah. when you think of Formula One and you're not a Formula One fan, you think of that red car. Yes. The imagery. You think of Ferrari. The 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 premium brand, the luxury of it. Yes. And in and Ferrari itself is very aware of that. And I think that weird in their head mentality and their awareness makes them make a lot of emotional and rash decisions. Where Red Bull, I think they're just like, we're extreme sports, whatever. Here, you do what you will hire people who can run the thing. And Horner's been at the helm since the beginning. So yeah. it's his baby. It's he it's he's the the man behind the wheel. That is what keeps uh, Red Bull so focused. They don't have a lot of distractions that other teams have. Haas has money issues. Aston Martin has has leader yeah, definitely leadership, leadership issues. Yeah. Uh, we should definitely move on now to the last 5 laps of this race. Yes. Hamilton versus the Ferraris. My good lord. That was like, to me, that was what should have happened in the end of 2021, where Hamilton just comes as my knight in shining armor. Through goes Hamilton. Hamilton goes through. He goes through everybody. It was phenomenal. That was so... And then there was one moment where they screamed like, and now Alonso's here or something. And it was... And then Alonso came and then Lando Norris was there. There were five cars, I think, under a second of each other. All five. It was, yeah, it was probably the best bit of Grand Prix racing in the past, in the season. Yeah, how Hamilton was able to pass, what was it? It was Perez and Leclerc. It was so disappointing that on the next curve, they were able to pass him because of the DRS. But also, Hamilton, I heard at the end of the race, he thought that Mercedes would have been able to win the race, potentially, if there was just a couple different scenarios within the race. I mean, it showed that Mercedes may be onto something for the later parts of this season. Yes, I'm liking what I see. They got their car back. And I would have loved to have seen George Russell in the mix. If he didn't DNF, what could he have done? He shouldn't have DNF. I should have mentioned this earlier. He should not have DNF'd either because his engine was still running when he jumped out of the car. But by the time he got back to the car, the car was already in a lift. So since he got... What is the rule? Like Since you have... Interfere like mechanical interference. I don't know what the actual terminology is. Uh, what a burn. One last thing I want to bring up before we close out this segment about the race. I was so full of glee to see <laughs> Mick Schumacher versus Verstappen <laughs> near the end of the race. That was Schumacher was putting up a fight too. He was ready to pounce. If he had two more laps, he he would have had him. But also Verstappen had a severe deficit with his car. But there was some good defensive driving from Verstappen. And Schumacher was just all over him. And Schumacher ended with points. Four points. Eighth place. Yeah. First points of his career in Formula One. Oh, first point. I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. I hope Ferrari saw his performance, but I also hope every other team saw his performance so that he won't have to go to Ferrari and lose all of his chances of a title win. I think... Mick Schumacher potentially winning a title in five years would be epic. I don't see that happening. No? You don't? Uh, mm, I don't in know. In five years? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, five years is a long time. 
<laughs> well, Hamilton won his first title in his second year of Formula One. But I mean, Hamilton is the greatest ever. Uh, we'll have to ask the audience about this yeah. one. Maybe, maybe it's controversial. Yeah. Controversy. Controversy. I always have trouble saying that word. Controversy. Me too. Controversy. All right. On to predictions. We're talking Austria. That's happening this weekend. Home of the Bulls. Ooh. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yes. Arnold. That's my Arnold. <laughs> this is Arnold doing his... Uh, so, Arnold, who do you think is going to win the race? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. First place, Carlos Sainz. Second place, Lewis Hamilton. Third place, Alonso. Fernando Ooh. Alonso with the Alpine. I'll see, I'll, also, I see the Alpine be, being like one of the cars to beat next season. But we'll talk about that for a future episode. But that's my one, two, three. Yes. My one, two, three, having watched the previous Austrian Grand Prix, I say Verstappen, Leclerc, and Russell. Because Russell's going to be hungry. Oh, yeah. Russell's going to be very hungry. Yeah, Russell's going to be pissed. He's going to have some max energy. He's going to go to the dark side. Oh, I'm, I'm excited for We're that. We're going to see Anakin turn into Darth Vader. He's going to be the boyfriend that doesn't send his ex flowers and cookies. <laughs> yeah. And then Lewis Hamilton's going to be like, I trusted you, Anakin. You were my friend. You were supposed to bring balance to the force, not destroy it. It is too late for me. And then... Russell's going to be like, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Which I think is the stupidest movie line in history. I always hated it. From my point of view, I think the Jedi are evil. Who says from my point of view? From my point of view, it's snowing outside. Well, then you are lost. Yeah, well, then you are lost. So I'm going <laughs> to chop off all your limbs and leave you here to die. Because I'm the good guy in the movie. That's a good guy thing to do. Anyways... <laughs> let's do the outro thank you for listening to stateside f1 please like comment subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your sweet sweet podcast content follow us on instagram at stateside f1 and feel free to message or dm us also follow us on tiktok at stateside f1 podcast to see daily memes and all that cool stuff Anyways, thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.